Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I'm your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. It is with my great pleasure today to do this show with the five-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Well, there it is. Uh, Tom Brady <laughs> had the fourth championship elude him for about ten years. Literally ten years. And now here he is with five Super Bowl championships. Crazy. Uh, two Super Bowl losses along the way, trying to get that fourth one. And now he gets his second in three years and his fifth overall since starting at quarterback in 2001 with Drew Bloodsoe, as the, as the announcer called it back then. Uh, not the announcer, but commentator. I forget the guy's name. Way back in... Uh, 2001 when Drew Bledsoe had the blood in the lungs and then Tom Brady took over and all that. Uh, the Patriots have been my second favorite team since the late 90s. Second favorite, I adopted the Boston market as my, uh, <laughs> Boston market, that sounds tasty right now, as my, <laughs> as my second favorite uh, sports city. And there you go. Um, it's always fun to have a rooting interest going into the postseason, but it's especially fun when that second favorite team or so ends up winning it all. Now, if only we can get that feeling again of our number one team winning it all. Um, we've experienced that with the Minnesota Twins, those of us that are old enough, 87 and 91. Golden Gopher hockey fans, a small, tight-knit group of fans out there that just love their team. I am one of them, Gopher men's hockey. Of course, you got several other Minnesota hockey programs. Uh, they won the back-to-back championships 0203 in my lifetime. Of course, 79 was a couple months before I was born um, because it was the spring of 79. I was born in the summer of 79. All right, so... As you may have guessed, this show is about reviewing the Super Bowl, and we'll get a little fan interaction and check in on some Viking transactions if there's really anything to, at this point, probably very minor at this stage. The coaching staff is set and all that for the time being. Um, and the next show will pretty much be State of the Vikings. That's the next show. We will hand out the stars of the year to certain people. You, some of you can kind of guess who the candidates may or may not be. There will be honorable mentions as well, but State of the Vikings 2017 will be the next episode of Purple Mafia. This show should be fairly short. Of course, I'm dragging on the introduction here and quite possibly boring you out there, so I apologize. The final score of Super Bowl 51, and of course next year will be in Minneapolis, U.S. Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, downtown Minneapolis. February 2018, Super Bowl 52, but Super Bowl 51, the final score, 34-28 Patriots. I predicted 31-28. I was just, like, thinking how close that would be as the fourth quarter started developing the way it was, especially once it was an eight-point game, and the Patriots were very fortunate to stop the, Fal- uh, the Falcons. <laughs> very uh, dangerous-looking drive there. Things had changed so dramatically there in this case. Uh, of course, the way this game started... 0-0 in the first quarters, in the first to first quarter for both clubs. Not too good. Obviously, the defense is very much a focus. You saw a pass rush on Matt Ryan for the most part. He actually got quite a bit. Both of the quarterbacks sacked five times. Um, it looked good on Matt Ryan early, and it got better later. Tom Brady pretty much the whole game until, <laughs> well, until the last drive or so was pretty much under fire from that uh, Atlanta Falcons pass, pass rush. And I was thinking, boy, what was the ingredient, the magical ingredient to defeat the New England Patriots in the past? Well, the New York Giants had a great pass rush, and they beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. But then there was that little magic wand, the miracle catches, the miracle catches, the miracle plays that changed everything, that changed history against the New England Patriots. 
would that curse be lifted on this night? <laughs> Those of you that saw it know the answer to that. Um, Tom Brady's final statistics in this game, absolutely not an indicator of where things were much earlier in the game. Of course, the first quarter, like we said, very grinded out. Nobody could get anything going. Lots of punting and such. Uh, frustration. The Patriots looked like they had something going. LeGarrette Brunt fumbles. And the Patriots, or excuse me, the Falcons were able to take advantage later on in this one. But the Falcons finally got something going in that first, uh, second quarter, pardon me. And they just started marching down that field. And that kind of started things heading the way it did for the Falcons. It started at the end of the first quarter, headed into the second. The, the Falcons were just moving right down that field like they did against the Green Bay Packers, like they did against Seattle along the way in this postseason and against other teams during the regular season. And an 11-5 team that looked like a 14-2 and team. And a 14-2 and team that looked like an 11-5 and team in the first half of this game and into the third quarter, to be quite frank. <sighs> Freeman, very dangerous throughout the game. You saw him getting through so easily through that Patriots front line, and you're beginning to wonder, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen to the Patriots? Are they going to be able to hang on? Are they going to be able to stymie this Atlanta offense? And stymie was something that wasn't in the <laughs> wasn't in the cards, at least in the well first three quarters or so of this game. Atlanta Falcons just marching down that field. Matt Ryan sharp as all get out. The Patriots would sometimes stop them, but in this case they wouldn't. And the uh, Atlanta Falcons score the touchdown. Next thing you know, Patriots look like they're ready to go on a drive to tie this up. And then that's when you get Laguerre Grunt's fumble. And Atlanta marches right down the field again. 14-0 Falcons. And then, oh, and then the Patriots have, again, now they're going to answer. Okay, they were answering on the previous drive. Will they get it done this time? Is this going to be like a Viking game with Sam Bradford getting the team down the field and then something stupid happens, an interception, a fumble, or he just gets sacked two or three times in a row? Well, that's the kind of stuff that kept happening throughout the course of this game or getting hurried and forced into throwaways and then you have to punt. But in this case, Tom Brady had the team going down the field nicely. Looked like he's finally going to get something going. And then you get the pick six. You get the Sam Bradford play against Detroit, basically. I mean, very similar. Very similar. Yeah, you're going to hear references to the Vikings and Sam Bradford in this one. And it looked that way for the Patriots for the longest time because they could not protect Tom Brady for the longest time. This pass rush continued its onslaught on Brady. And that offensive line looked confused. They were missing guys. They were missing Dwight Freeney and others along the way. But then Robert Alford and that Falcon secondary who was strong and physical the whole night particularly, well, at least the first three quarters of the game. Remember, there are four quarters in the, in the NFL and in most football uh, <laughs> most football organizations out there or, or any type of organized football. But Robert Alford would just take it 82 yards. There was nobody close to him. Brady kind of was semi-trying, but it was, I mean, he was trying, but he was just too far away. There's nothing he could do. Cornerbacks are the fastest players in the league, and that's why often they're kick returners in the uh, and the special teams, if they if they're in that part of the part of the part of the team at all, 82 yard return though for Robert Alford, 40 uh, 21 to zero, might as well have been 41 to nothing. That's what it felt like at the time. The Falcons were dominating the Patriots in a huge way. You got the vibe that, uh, well, that this was it. And I tweeted on on at Purple Mafia at Purple Mafia. I tweeted, "It's over," because I thought it was because. Once the Falcons took a 14-0 lead, the information started popping up. The biggest comebacks in Super Bowl history, three times overall. Now it's four. 
was only 10 points. Never eclipsed 10 points in the Super Bowl because this is a game of emotion, a game of momentum. And in the Super Bowl, if one team takes a lead, it's, it takes a pretty significant lead, it's generally over because the other team starts to doubt, starts to panic, and the other team's confidence just rises to the moon. And it's a nerve, it's a nerve-wracking game. And so many people are watching. But this is Tom Brady. And the whole time I'm sitting there, as this game continued to head in a negative direction, as the Falcons would get another touchdown in the third quarter, the Patriots couldn't get anywhere, and the Falcons got to the got to the end zone again. And, and you know, just an unbelievable twenty-eight to three, Patriots defense just not getting the job done. The Falcons getting open. Julio Jones making multiple spectacular catches in this game, and particularly on this drive as well. Uh, Kevin Coleman into the end zone who had an ankle injury later in the game. Unfortunately for him, 28-3. to And this is the moment where, you know, you, you thought it was over when it was 21 nothing, and then the Patriots couldn't get into the end zone near the end of the half. They just could not get far enough, so they had to settle for a field goal. Just devastating again. Again, reeked more and more of the Vikings offense in that red zone. But Gotzkowski was able to make the 41-yard field goal in that case. Thank God for that, I suppose. So the Patriots finally got on the board, but they did not get in the end zone. And then, like I said, Matt Ryan took his team down the field, and they used a decent amount of clock like they would want to. 28-3 with <laughs> very limited time remaining. Very limited time remaining, and a very time-consuming drive by the Patriots next time around. 28-3, though, you look at that. At the 25-point game, there's no way the Patriots are going to come back. But I kept sitting there and thinking to myself, and even saying out loud, the Patriots never get blown out. Never. Maybe once in a blue moon in some kind of a weird uh, regular season game. But the Patriots getting blown out in the Super Bowl? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, something's wrong here. This doesn't make sense. And at the end of the day, it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't real. It really wasn't real, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess it wasn't because there's no way the Patriots are going to roll up and give up in this one. Going to curl up and die. Tom Brady took the team down the field. There was a lot of running plays like Eric Blunt. A lot of passes in the midfield, and they had to settle for those because the Falcons were guarding the, the, the sidelines so well, trying not to let the Patriots get out of bounds and such, not to make out-of-bounds passes, and the Falcons were so good at those, but then again, <laughs> the Falcons' clock was their uh, friend, not their enemy, so they had, so they wanted the clock to keep ticking. <laughs> but sometimes if you're going to make a good completion, you might as well make it, I suppose, down the field to a Julio Jones who made a spectacular Chris Carter catch look easy. I mean, he stayed in bounds over a yard when it looked like you know nobody could have caught that unbelievable play uh, in that one. But again, Brady taking just a long, time-consuming drive over six minutes. You're down to only two minutes remaining, and then Goskowski bangs the bangs the extra point off the off the upright, twenty-eight to nine. You figure, okay, good. I'm glad the Patriots are on the board, but this just reeks of like maybe they'll get back in it, kind of, sorta, and they'll not win the game, especially. When the Patriots luckily did get the ball back again, they forced the Falcons into <laughs> they forced the Falcons into a three and out, or not a three and out, but they forced them to punt after a first down or two. They get down the field again, and it's just like the end of the first half. You know, they burn they they use a lot of clock, an incredible amount of clock. Again, significant amount of clock like they did on the previous drive. The clock just kept ticking away. Under 10 minutes remaining, and they settle for a field goal. And you're down by 16. It's like, yeah, it's a two-score two game. 
but you're saying you got to succeed on both two-point conversions? Remember last year in the AFC title game when the Patriots could have tied the game, they were trailing by eight against the Denver Broncos, and they would have won the Super Bowl last year again, too. Just think about that. Hello, three-peat. That would have been the first time it's ever been done. But uh, they got in the end zone against that tough defense, but they could not convert on a two-point conversion, and it was game over. And if the Patriots were to fail on either of the two-point attempts, and, and you're actually and you're counting on this team getting into the end zone again twice, despite the fact clearly the momentum has turned the Patriots' direction, but you're expecting this club to convert on both two-point conversions after getting touchdowns with what a momentum game this has been for the Falcons. And so many people, the, the, I mean, you can imagine the happiness they're feeling in Atlanta. They're finally going to get a championship. Their first since 95 with the Atlanta Braves. Their first ever with the, with the Super Bowl after being around for 51 years already. A decent history, not a great history for Atlanta. Decent, but no Super Bowls. And of course, we remember 98. And you could definitely say this was their best chance to win the Super Bowl, even coming into the game, before they were up 28-3. to Before they were up 14 to nothing or 7 to nothing. You would say this was the best chance for the Falcons to win the Super Bowl because their offense is that amazing. As good as that 14-2 and two club was, this team was better than them. Despite, as, despite how great this Patriots team is, Denver just had a momentum that year. Like it was, not, it was just there's nothing, almost nothing you could do. But luckily for the Patriots, there was nothing the Falcons could do long term with this one because the stars were aligned for the Patriots at the end of the day, just like years ago. In 2011, the stars were aligned for the New York Giants, and the stars were aligned for the New York Giants in 2007. How history would be made with spectacular catches that changed history, ending 16 and 0 teams' runs to a championship, trying to become 19 and 0, and a similar situation with uh, <laughs> with Manningham as well against against the Patriots the next time around in 2011. Manningham would go to the 49ers <laughs> the next year. Um, mm, just crazy how you're seeing history happen. Okay, like they, they get they get kind of in the game. Okay, two-score game. The Falcons start driving down the field again. Good field position. They get to they get to midfield. And then Hightower pulls a Daniil Hunter. A Daniil Hunter knocks the, a strip sack and I kept saying that out loud. The only hope for the Patriots here is something like a strip sack or an interception. They have to get a turnover, something. Regardless that the Patriots are finally getting into the end zone a little bit, they're finally getting, they're finally putting points on the board. But Matt Ryan's still completing passes, and he would complete them and complete them and complete them, and he would have a quarterback rating of 144.1. But then there, there it was, the strip sack by Hightower. And the ball's on the ground. Patriots recover. And they march down the field like a totally different team. Completely different team in this case. Tom Brady would lead his club down the field. Completing passes that he wasn't before earlier in the game. He was underthrowing and overthrowing players throughout the game. But the Falcons obviously were taking routes away as well very nicely. The Falcons secondary did an amazing job in this game for the longest time. But then all of a sudden, there was no stopping Brady. The accuracy was absolutely, you know, it was Aaron Rodgers-like during the second half of the season when he was basically perfect in accuracy. 
And that's what took place throughout the rest of this game. As Brady would complete complete passes to Amendola, Hogan, and others. And ultimately, this drive would give, give another get another touchdown, a short pass to Amendola into the end zone. And the two-point conversion was awesome. <laughs> Absolutely spectacular. Um, it was a trick play. It was a snap, a direct snap to James White right into the end zone. Brady jumping up in the air. And you're seeing that trickery coming out from the New England Patriots. That was the only hope for this club along the way, to start fooling Atlanta like they would do with other teams in the past. You know, complete uh, you know, touchdown passes to Nate Soldier and such against the uh, Indianapolis Colts during the 2014. You know, it's had all kinds of wacky things, uh, eligible receiver downfield type of stuff. And then you're getting plays like this, and it worked. And there's your eight-point game. Now you just need one touchdown and a, and a two-point conversion. So <laughs> we're halfway there. Halfway there, Tom Brady and the Patriots offense. And then out came Matt Ryan again. And it looked good for a little while. It sure did. It looked like it was going to be over for the... Uh, <laughs> it looked like it was going to be over no matter what. Because Freeman would break loose again. He would just get down that field after a nice little pass from... Screen pass from uh, Matt Ryan. Freeman would just escape and go for the longest time. Absolutely crazy. 31 yards down the field. <sighs> crazy. Um, devastating. 39 yards, pardon me, down the field. And it looked like that was it. As they, they, they crossed the 50-yard line, they were almost in field goal range. They would have wrapped things up, just kicked that field goal, and the game's over, a la Gary Anderson. But then what happened? A similar thing that would happen to the Vikings so many times this year and last year. Teddy Bridgewater and such. The Patriots patch rush attacked Matt Ryan, got the stack, pushed them back so far, and then you saw incomplete passes. But it's okay. Falcons just need to make one more stop, okay? They just need to make one more stop. But it wasn't meant to be. It was Tom Brady against the St. Louis Rams once again. It was all all that all over again, all the years like all the years ago. And go ahead and say they cheated and all that. Go ahead and say that. You still got I mean, I I don't know. I still don't even believe that to be honest with you. But um we'll leave that alone for now. <sighs> again, down the field they went. Amendola especially and then you saw the play that changed everything. And that's when you knew the Patriots were going to win the Super Bowl. When it was a batted pass by the Falcon secondary. Up into the air. Off the leg. And then Amendola picks it up. Literally, magically picks it up out of the air as it was about to hit the ground. A completed pass. The thing never touched the ground. A completed pass. The Patriots were in the red zone. And you just knew then, regardless if you're going to see the Patriots get sacked or hurried, yeah, Tom Brady gets sacked, or hurried, pushed back, whatever it was, that somehow, someway, they were going to get this done, and it's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. James White tying the game up with the big touchdown, and then the two-point conversion to Donnie Amendola barely, and I mean barely gets in, but he did get in. The forward progress counted. There was a holding call anyway, but luckily it didn't matter. As <laughs> The Patriots could decline that. They were able to convert on both two-point conversions. Fifty-seven seconds left. There was some time for. Uh, there was definitely some time for Matt Ryan, but again, not meant to be. Patriots defense would get the job done again. The clock would wind out, and overtime would come. And who won the coin toss this time? As the Patriots call heads the first time around, they don't get it. Everything goes the Falcons' way. This time, the Patriots call heads again. 
and it does go their way, and it's like, that's it. it it's over because you know Tom Brady's going to take him down the field. Yes, you have to score a touchdown to end the game, but you just knew they were going to do it because that's what's been going on. Momentum was completely on the Patriots' side, and there it was again, just the rifle passes, the completions. This this was like the St. Louis drive, literally, to be quite honest, but really you could have said the last one was too to wrap things up. It just, it took you back in time about 15 years. Spectacular <laughs> accuracy. Calls again going the Patriots way down the stretch and they were the right calls, just like the Falcons calls were the right calls along the way. Some physical non-calls, some physical calls both ways, where maybe the incomplete passes by Brady, but there was no pass interference on Atlanta, that type of thing. All kinds of stuff, physical things. They were, they were still clean plays, just physical the Patriots would get down the field like it was nothing. They cut through Atlanta like warm butter. <laughs> and then they hand off to James White after the uh, the Falcons were called for pass interference. And what looked like a, a Super Bowl ending touchdown to Bennett. The ball was knocked away. But the guy's hand was in Bennett. was all over Bennett the whole time. It was impossible to catch the ball in that situation. <laughs> And then James White just went right on in there. I mean, after one failed, the first attempt failed. It was a kind of a trick play. Scared the heck out of me. I was like, please don't do a Pete Carroll here. Because it's like the two-yard line. Yeah, with first down. And it was kind of a trick play. And it was to Bennett again. Not a trick play, but it was a quick play. To Bennett again. Again, not completed. And then second and two at the two-yard line. And in goes James White into the end zone. He was able to cross the plane, and that was it. And you just saw a 25-point comeback in the Super Bowl when nobody has ever come back from more than 10 points in the Super Bowl due to moment, due to just, it's a tidal wave. It's a tsunami. When one team takes a big lead, it's all over. Not the case this time. You saw history get made. The greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. You saw a bad game go from, you saw it go from a really bad blowout classic Super Bowl <laughs> from the past into one of the most dramatic comebacks of all time and just saw the greatest quarterback of all time become the greatest quarterback of all time and win his fifth Super Bowl. Seven Super Bowl appearances, five victories, and finally the curse was over. The Giants curse is over with Danny Amendola's catch. <laughs> Absolutely David Kyrie all over it. It was a it was going downward rather than upward like in Kyrie's case or Manningham, but still the magic was finally on the Patriots' side. The miracle catch. Just like the New York Giants. Years and years ago now. Ten years ago already. Well, yeah. Nine years ago, officially. Back when I first started recording videos on YouTube. And my first ever podcast was that 07 Super Bowl. Well, you know, 08. January 08. Where the Patriots lost a very close win to the uh, New York Giants. It kind of reeked of that this time around. Where Amendola was dropping passes. Hogan was dropping passes. Falcons defense in the secondary was good and then Brady started throwing inaccurate passes it just reeked of that all over again but that second half changed history in a big way and for the first time despite uh, despite me being a big fan of the Patriots as a, my second favorite team I know this is a Vikings show but this is a Super Bowl review episode that's the title it's not State of the Vikings that is next episode um, but for the first time, I can finally officially say Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, Joe Montana held that mantle, held that scepter until tonight. <laughs> or last night, I dare I say. Um, that's when it took place, until last night. The Patriots uh, 
get their fifth Silver Bowl. They become one of the greatest franchises of all time, tied with Dallas and San Francisco, and only trail the Pittsburgh Steelers for six Super Bowls. So, greatest franchise, uh, second greatest franchise of all time now in the Super Bowl era. The Super Bowl era. We know about the Packers and the Bears and the Detroit Lions, believe it or not, in the in the uh, pre-Super Bowl age. Even the Cleveland Browns had championships back then. Even the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Pretty crazy to imagine, but um, what a career. What a career. What a run. Is it all over? He could retire right now and be called the greatest quarterback of all time. That him being Tom Brady, but... I don't think he wants to. I don't think he wants to. And you saw that 15-yard run, that de the determination when the Patriots were still quite a bit down in this game. It was 20. was when it was 29, 28 to nine at that stage when Tom Brady. The game was still very much, very much uh, <laughs> unlikely to go the Patriots' way, but they did not give up. You never saw one look of uh, you never saw one look of anger on Bill Belichick's face. He just kind of kept that poker face the whole game. Brady looked down and frustrated, but he didn't let it kill him. Didn't let it kill his confidence and his uh, his drive. And that's what ended up proving the day for the New England Patriots over the Atlanta Falcons. Tom Brady now eclipses Joe Montana as the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. And congratulations right here and right now. More than likely, Brady will return next season because he wants to play another five years. He's kind of talking like Adrian Peterson, but... Adrian, I don't see a Super Bowl ring on your fingers or your thumb either, by the way. Wink, wink. So Brady, I think, has a little more credibility with the whole I'm going to play five more years than Adrian Peterson at this stage. And again, please don't take this as any type of a, of a, of a knock at the Vikings or a knock at Adrian. It's just, it is what it is. I mean, <laughs> most Viking fans are frustrated and ready to move on with Adrian Peterson. I believe I speak for the majority of Minnesota Viking fans when I say that. So... Thank you again. Um, this was a awesome comeback, a very worthwhile <laughs> watch, believe it or not. With when it, I mean, the longest time I wanted to shut this off, like around halftime, I, I really did. I was like, if I wasn't doing a podcast, I was going to turn this stupid game off. I was so frustrated and just bored with it, too. Yet at the same time, I would have felt happy for Atlanta fans. I mean, you know, one championship and that's it. The, the Hawks never won it. it. They were the St. Louis Hawks when they got their championship many, many moons ago. <laughs> Way back in the 60s, the St. Louis Hawks. The Milwaukee Braves won in the 50s. Milwaukee Braves won in the 50s. And Milwaukee doesn't have a lot of championships. Green Bay does, but okay, that's Wisconsin. So they have plenty of titles already. <laughs> can't, can't give them any uh, sympathy at this stage. Thank you, Atlanta, for knocking them on their ass in the NFC title game. We do appreciate that. But I do feel for Atlanta fans. I mean, they've been through a lot. They had a decent little team called the Atlanta Flames in the NHL years ago. Became a very cool team called the Calgary Flames. They won a Stanley Cup 10 years after they left Atlanta. After they left Hotlanta. That's why it was the Hotlanta Flames. And then Atlanta Hawks, Dominique Wilkins, all those good teams, but they kept running into the Celtics, kept running into the Pistons, all that. And then the Atlanta Braves ran into the <clears throat> Twins in 91, and miracles were on our side. This game kind of had a little 91 Twins in it again. The way just things just didn't, Atlanta had it. They had it, and it did not go their way. Just like in 91, the Atlanta Braves had it, and it did not go their way. Lonnie Smith could have scored standing up on one of those base hits in the, in the seventh inning, and he did not keep going. He just did not keep going. Uh, it was the eighth inning of the seventh game. He just stood there at third base and unbelievable. And then the Twins would get the double play. Just changed history forever. Crazy. And of course, Puckett's big home run in the bottom of the bottom of the 11th inning in game six. He just ended that game right here, right now. It was spectacular. 
Uh, the Braves finally got their championship in 95 after getting beat by Toronto in 92, uh, ousted by Philadelphia in the NLCS in, in 93, had a spectacular team in 94, and that season was canceled. Just didn't happen. Now, the Yankees and the uh, Montreal Expos were also good that year. Who knows what could have happened? Remember the Montreal Expos? I like that better than Washington Nationals, but that's just me. 95, they finally beat the Cleveland Indians, another team, another city that was starving for championships, another team that hadn't won one since 1948 in their case. So I do feel for Atlanta fans right now. But, boy, if you were to invest in the Boston sports market <laughs> in 98, like if I could have put money in it when I became a fan of Boston teams back in 98, I'd be like, I swear I'd be a billionaire right now. I mean, you got five Super Bowls for the Patriots since then. One championship for the Celtics, but still, that's good. It was fun back in 08, lots of fun. One Stanley Cup for the Boston Bruins in 11. That's incredible. Even they won. And then three World Series championships for a team that hadn't won one in 86 years at the time. Boston Red Sox. Insane. So that's 10 championships, 10 major professional championships for the Boston market since since the, since the uh, 2001 at a bare minimum. Absolutely cool. So there it is. I do feel for you, Atlanta fans, even though I still hate you for 98. <laughs> Matt Ryan played a whale of a game, and he deserves a lot of credit. It's too bad that it's just, you know, too bad they couldn't get things going for their sake in that fourth quarter. At least get one score of some kind. But it just stars were not aligned for them. And maybe next year, Atlanta will come back and go to the Super Bowl again. Maybe they'll win it. Right now, if I were to pick a favorite in the in the NFC, it's the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm not saying that just to be nice to them or anything, and I'm certainly not going to be buying any of their merchandise. But right now, the NFC favorites should be the Atlanta Falcons until further notice. We'll just we'll talk about that later on, though. Stephen State of the Vikings will talk maybe somewhat about some of the other teams, but generally it'll be all Vikings. And as we get further and further and closer and closer into regular season, we'll start talking, predicting, and having fun with that. So... One of the greatest Super Bowls ever when it looked like it was going to be another one of those late 80s San Francisco 55-9 to, to nine type of games. 55-10 to 10 type of games over the Broncos ended up being a beauty. Uh, Dallas-Buffalo, those were terrible. Washington-Buffalo, yuck. So ended up being a good one. Ended up being awesome. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back for a fan interaction right after this. back here on Purple Mafia Fan Interaction. This should probably be fairly short. This isn't going to be a very long show because obviously just one game to review, nothing to preview. The NFL season's over. It's all over, ladies and gentlemen. And then we get into free agency, State of the Vikings, all that. That's going to be fun. State of the Vikings, and then it'll be free agency, draft, all that. Uh, always fun to talk about that as we hope to build a better future for the Minnesota Vikings. So hopefully, please, one day we're going to see purple, gold, and white coming down. Purple, gold, white confetti coming down. Just like one time at a New Year's Eve at the Little Six Casino, which I don't gamble, but we were having fun there. Me and my wife, uh, the confetti came down, and I and they, some of the some of them were purple, gold, and white confetti colors because they used all different colors. I grabbed them and threw them in the air, and I just felt teary-eyed when I saw that confetti coming down because of what that would look like. Um, one day we're going to see it, I think, and hopefully we can build that wonderful day here uh, as we head into the offseason get some offensive linemen, all that. But now, the current to the current day, fan interaction. I want to thank Malcolm and 
Brown Eyes for retweeting the show. Uh, 10A Brown and Vince Germano have retweeted in the past. Probably just didn't get around to it this time. And totally understand that. Really appreciate you guys. Yeah, Malcolm out of Northern California there. Thank you very much. Over by Oakland, where it looks like the Raiders are going to be sticking around as the whole Las Vegas deal has kind of gone awry. So good to see the Raiders staying in Oakland for the time being. Even though Las Vegas Raiders sounds kind of cool. Uh, it's just sad to see so many uh, teams leave their hometowns and such. It's it's a bummer. They already left for Los Angeles back in the early 80s. So, I don't know. Oakland Raiders sounds good. So, let's continue. Malcolm, again, love you over there in Northern Cal. Kind of lots of likes, retweets. And then he put me around the NFL, NFL Pro Mafia show, and uh, Mad Martin all in the same tweet. I'm not sure if he's kind of shouting out to us. So, hello to you there, <laughs> Malcolm. And then he says... For the right, for the right price, the guy's worth keeping on the squad, and that would be, that would be, of course, Cordero Patterson. That's who I thought it was. Around the NFL, uh, Cordero Patterson said, "I need to know if I'm going to play or not. If not, I'll take my talents elsewhere." Okay, LeBron James, he's, he's going to take his talents to South Beach with the, uh, the, um, the Miami Dolphins, right? He's going to do a decision on, on ESPN, and Jim Gray's going to interview. Okay, yeah, I don't think he's that big, and yeah, if anybody else does that, people are going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the right price, yes. Uh, if if he wants to break the bank, screw it. I mean, you can't break the bank for a special teams guy. You got to get offensive linemen in here. You you have to. Um, it's good to have a nice returner. But did the Patriots win the re- win the Super Bowl because their special teams returner was so great and so flashy, or did they win because they had a they had a good quarterback and the offensive line kind of did their job and the defense did a good job? See. Special teams is important, and it's good that we're not giving up, giving up touchdowns in special teams. But it's good to have a good kick returner, but don't break the bank for him. That, that's all I'm trying to say, and I do believe that's exactly what... Um, this was actually Mad Martin replying to Malcolm. I apologize, this was Mad Martin replying to Malcolm. Sorry about that. <laughs> he was saying, for the right price, the guy's worth keeping on the squad. And that's what Malcolm was uh, sending out. Okay, gotcha. He was, he was kind of giving us the information there. My apologies. My apologies. And then, yeah, Twitter's getting kind of crazy where it's all about retweeting stuff from elsewhere. Uh, the talk is that also that, yes, Teddy Bridgewater, the likelihood of Teddy Bridgewater being unable to return for 17 either, and, well, that's why Sam Bradford's already, you know, we already he was already had, had two more years left on his deal, one of them gone, of course, in 16, so he is signed through 2017, and that's partially why. And then the questions come uh, as we head into the season and into the offseason next year, depending on what takes place. Bridgewater's health, Bradford's uh, extension, Bradford's health. You, you just don't know. And, of course, getting an offensive line. A good old line in front of Sam Bradford, I think, spells good things. But a good old line in front of Teddy Bridgewater would spell good things, too. Let's be fair. Yes, I was getting kind of lippy, kind of loud, kind of obnoxious on Twitter because I get frustrated. I wasn't drinking or anything, just getting frustrated. Okay, I, I, I had a beer, but that's not drinking. That's just a beer. You know, some people, they like, drinking means a whole different deal. Uh, I was wondering why the Patriots are wearing the road whites. They're favored. Well, in the past, it seemed like the favored team always wore the home jersey. So I didn't understand. Apparently, it's turned into NFC and AFCs are, are home, you know, in opposite years. Uh, Justin in Rochester, Justin Day, my old buddy there from Rochester. He's actually originally from Brooklyn Park, I remember him mentioning, and I'm in Brooklyn Park right now, but more than likely we'll be moving south as we head into June. 
possibly Edina, something like that. And no, I'm not rich. It's just Edina, that's all. It's just that I might be happening to move somewhere in Edina that's hopefully affordable. Uh, he says, favorite is meaningless. NFC is home this year. Vikings will wear road white, <laughs> would, would, would wear rolled whites in the stadium next year. Will. And he said, all right, but I, I was saying, all right, but don't count on the ladder. And he says, yeah, that was that was a touch of tongue-in-cheek, and I said, I'm sure it was. Smiley, very, I'm just giving him crap, though. Kind of a fun little conversation. Love Justin in Rochester. Hope he's, hope he's still listening. Hope I didn't scare him away a long time ago with all my rants and this and that. And, you know, I don't know. Nobody agrees with me politically anymore. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Vince Germano retweeted when I did my famous, infamous now tweet, It's over. That was after the pick six by uh, by Tom Brady. I figured it's over after that. And Brady was just hanging his head on the sidelines. 21 nothing. Not sure if that means Vince was happy that it was going to be look like the Falcons were going to win or if he was like, uh, agreeing with me. I'm not sure what he meant, but Vince Germano. Oh, love you. Out of Australia there. Melbourne, Australia. Cleveland Browns fan. Lakers fan. And all that. Uh, Malcolm McSween says, never say never. Hashtag Vikings SB52. Super Bowl 52 in Tene. Brown out of New Zealand. Like that tweet from Malcolm out of Northern Cal. Thank you very much, my friends. My fringe. It is at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. Now let's get to the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. We'll continue where we left off. Please like and follow the Facebook and Twitter if you could. Also, i got to give a shout-out to MN Vikes, Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven, Trevor Wickerin, the creator of that group, kind enough to allow me to post on that page. Thank you very much to post the uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, Purple Mafia here <laughs> on there. Uh, a link to it. Thank you. Gotta give, the least I could do is give a shout-out. Very fun page. Uh, to interact with, especially during like just you know different different type of news, free agency, whatever the heck, in game, whatever it is, really appreciated. Mark Carlson says, "Listening happily, happily tonight, ha ha ha." Purple Mafia is one thing; the real mafia is another. He's mentioning like, "quote Love your wit and humor, and thanks, Joey Wyden, for making my Monday great again." Mm-hmm. Yep, we know the inside with that one. I will I will listen on now. Looking forward to Mad Martin's mad takes. And thank you very much. He did not call in this time. Hopefully he'll call in. He must not have been interested in the Super Bowl or something. Wasn't active on Twitter last night. I don't know. Um, hopefully Mad Martin is still around and he'll be back for some State of the Vikings. I'm sure he will for that one. And he's, yes, he's a candidate for one of the three stars of the year. Um, I could list the candidates, but maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'll kind of start to list them over the course of time. I was saying, yeah, and I was saying this Super Bowl, this this show will be reviewed uh will be released by Wednesday, but I'm probably going to get yeah, I'm going to get it up today on Monday now instead. So I didn't think it was going to work out. Thought I was going to be too busy, but looks like it's going to happen. <laughs> Checking to some visitor posts here. Probably not a whole lot. A few, a few. Uh, Brent Jacobson, yeah, but some Bridgewater conversation. He says, yep, Bridgewater, like you to miss the 2017 season. Yep, and that was the article there. Check it out if you haven't yet on CBS Sports. Most of you have by now. Godspeed, Teddy Bridgewater. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Brent Jacobson with some interesting off-season conversation getting started. And it's time to do that now. It is time. Brent Jacobson says, with Teddy Bridgewater, likely out for 2017 and possibly done, period. Now, this is Brent Jacobson out of Lakeville. He says, I think they should try to draft a developmental guy like Pat Mahomes from Texas Tech. And that's a very familiar name, like Pat Mahomes of the Twins many years ago. He says, if the Vikings could get Pat Mahomes Jr. from Texas Tech in the middle of the draft, he'd be a great draft and develop guy. The Vikings having Bradford for one more season is exactly why it would be perfect for them to draft Mahomes. 
kid has mechanical issues, and if he goes to a team that expects him to start as a rookie, he could be a bust. But if he has a year or two to sit with a good quarterback, uh, with a good quarterback coach, and get fixed, he has the potential to be in a replica of Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, those guys did sit for a significant amount of time. Drew Brees was not starting in San Diego for a while there. And then they bring in Phillip Rivers. There's like a fire under him, and bam, look at Drew Brees. He's had a better career than Phillip Rivers, and a lot of people didn't think that would happen. Um, Tay Bron Hollywood Haynes says Mahomes is, the, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the draft, hands down, won't last mid or second round. P.S. Wait till combine. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. Uh, very interesting there. Good conversation, and really appreciate Brent posting that on there. And I, I didn't, I probably could have commented it, and I should have, but I'm like, I, I usually like to save it for the show, that type of thing. But still, I could have got it going. Ali Sidikai posting a couple of articles here. One with uh, comparing Diggs' first two seasons to some of the best receivers in the NFL. Very interesting read. Profootballspot.com. And it says, can the Vikings fall on the same path of, as the Falcons? Uh, another one there. A good read. Very, very much appreciated. And I was saying, I hope so. Uh, Ali was saying, thanks. I really hope so, too. Sooner or later, things will go our way. And yes, very good read. Always check out Ali Sidikai on profootballspot.com. Tony Coleman wraps up the fan interaction segment. Tony Coleman out of Aberdeen, South Dakota, says last year the Falcons started 5-0. They ended 8-8. This year they're in the Super Bowl. This year the Vikings started 5-0. They ended 8-8. Next year the Super Bowl is in Minneapolis. Let's perfect the future, shall we? With a big old skull. And I hope so. Let's just not blow a 25-point lead. <laughs> That's the one thing. Mark Carlson says, I love that. Skull, Tony Coleman, you are the king. <laughs> Mark from Iowa. Thank you guys very much for that. Let's pass out some stars for the episode. Uh, Brent Jacobson, a strong gold star for this one. Tony Coleman, uh, yep, Tony Coleman and Mark Carlson, silver stars. Ali, bronze star for this episode. Thank you very much. And you know what? I'm going to give the Haynes there guy, too, uh, for the cool comment uh, on there as well. Saying uh, that I was talking about Mahomes a little bit. Yep, Tabron, Hollywood Haynes, bronze star. Not sure if he's a listener, but hey, might as well give you guys a little uh, little stars anyway. So thank you very much for listening to this episode. Congratulations to the New England Patriots. Next episode will be the State of the Vikings 2017. Please give your... Um, I will post a thread, though. Don't post it yet. Don't post it yet. I'll post a thread up probably as soon as I finish this episode here. Um, the Vikings 2016 MVP. 2016 biggest disappointment and finally wrap up with the biggest surprise of 2016 keep it to a player or coach if you could rather than events but i mean you can put it in there if you really highly believe that but i prefer players and coaches over anything else when it comes to mvp biggest disappointment biggest surprise for 2016 and i will pass out the stars of the year i will review the i will review the 2016 season put a bow on it and then we enter 2017 with free agency, draft, and all that good stuff. I will talk to you soon. Thank you guys again so much. Thank you again for your inclusion with this show. Yet another year of Purple Mafia. Eight years of Purple Mafia. We will start the ninth year now. Very cool. Um, <laughs> nine years ago with Paladino Live too. Uh, but I was just reviewing the Super Bowl. That wasn't Purple Mafia until April 2008. I can't believe it. Um, or has it been nine years? I, I, that's absolutely crazy when you think about that. It has been nine seasons. Yeah, it's like you knew it in your head. Yeah, it's been nine seasons because eight counts. Yeah, so that was, yeah, that was one. Unbelievable. It's been nine years already. Insane. Nine years of Purple Mafia. Nine full seasons of Purple Mafia. And then uh, you can say ten because of the, the YouTube. If you count Paladino Live, I did some YouTube videos that year in 2007. 
insane. In fact, I did quite a few that year. Ten years. Ten years. Wow. Nuts. So there you go. Thank you again. Um, please tell your friends about the show. Please give it a positive rating on iTunes or Stitcher. It would be greatly appreciated. want to thank all of you so very much. Uh-oh, getting some... I see Brent Jacobson's text again out of nowhere, huh? Uh, not out of nowhere, but he says, Since Super Bowl 52 is here... My first preference is for the Vikings to be there, but if not, I'd rather have Dallas represent the NFC than Green Bay. I despise the Cowboys. Yep. Well, I hope it's not Dallas. I, you know, I'd rather see Atlanta versus Dallas uh, or uh, Green Bay. That's for sure. And, and you know, I don't like Atlanta that much, but I'll, I'll take them. You know, and if it's a, if it's not the the Patriots, I'll probably probably cheer for the the, the Falcons. I, I wouldn't be cheering for Pittsburgh if the Pittsburgh Steelers made it this year. Denver and Atlanta, I don't know. But I don't think Denver's going back to the Super Bowl anytime soon. I don't see Kansas City getting out of the NFC, uh, AFC, pardon me. Um, I don't know who's going to win the AFC next year. It's probably Pittsburgh, New England again. One of those two. <laughs> oh my goodness, here we go. The tweets are coming in now. Mad Martin with a couple of tweets here. So we'll wrap it up one more time <laughs> with the Twitter, at Purple Mafia Show. Mad Martin's mad takes coming in at the last moment here. Better late than never. He's responding to Malcolm's... Uh, tweet where he was saying, never say never, hashtag Viking Super Bowl 52. And Mad Martin says, and of course, Mad Martin is out of Northern Scotland. Amen to that one. A Viking Super Bowl at home would be fitting for all those years of pain. And there's no doubt about it. There isn't a better possible happy ending for the Minnesota Vikings than for that to happen. Imagine the purple fireworks going on in downtown Minneapolis. It would be a dream come true. And he says, just finish watching. What a comeback by New England. Gotta hand it to Tom and Bill. Five-time champions. Major applause. And then he says, the Goats, as in the greatest of all time. Yes, um, they are. They are the Goats. They have officially eclipsed that. Greatest coach of all time. Greatest quarterback of all time. To me, there's no doubt anymore. There's no doubt. Seven Super Bowls, 11 NFC championships. Come on. Or AFC championships. I mean, come on. Come on now. I mean, as great as Joe Montana was... This is even better. And Montana at age 39 with the Chiefs, it just wasn't going to happen. And I, I don't know. Um, his career was different, too. He had, he had to be back up to Steve Young. That had to be tough. It was a weird situation with the elbow injury and such. Luckily, uh, Tom Brady was able to stay healthier than Joe Montana. And the aging process slowed dramatically for Tom Brady the last few years. Awesome. Thanks again to Dave Martin want to thank all of you once again for your inclusion to the show. Thank you again, Mad Martin, coming in at the last moment there. Hey, not bad. Got her in there. Uh, thank all of you for being so loyal to the show. Can't believe it's been nine years of Purple Mafia already, starting all the way back even uh, ten years, if you want to include my Paladino Live days with YouTube and, of course, the Paladino Live Super Bowl long, long ago in a galaxy far away. Thanks again so very much for sticking with this show, for listening to it, for including yourselves and the fan interaction and such. want to encourage you to, come, to, to again, to please interact on that uh, for the State of the Vikings show, like I mentioned earlier. Thanks again. Please do that. Uh, the MVP, the uh, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment. Thank you again for that. I will be posting a thread as soon as I can. Don't post until I put that thread in there so we can keep things organized, keep it easy, rather than all over the place, scramble things up. Again, nine years of Purple Mafia. How cool is that? So everybody, please uh, tell your friends about the show if you could. Give a positive rating on iTunes or Stitcher. Would be appreciated. want to thank all of you. want to hope you enjoy the uh, increasing sunlight and the uh, sunniness as well. Would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> so thanks again for that. Uh, we greatly appreciate the sunlight anyway. I'm getting distracted with this right now. So thanks again. I better get out of here before I put my foot in my mouth. Take care, everybody.